Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Books and Authors Show with Lisa and Nancy. Uh, you know, today we're really excited. We're going to welcome Dr. David Sklar. Mm-hmm. He is an award-winning author. He's an emergency physician, so you know he's been around the block and seen just about everything. He's right. also a professor and a medical researcher. And so his writing, he's done a lot of writing in the medical world, over 200 papers, medical papers. So like when I even think about that, I do want wine because I don't know how anybody does that, but he does. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. also an author of his memoir, La Clinica, and also the novel Atlas of Men. But he's joining us today. We're going to talk about all of it, right? But uh, he's joining us with his brand new novel. We always get excited when a new novel is out. And mm-hmm. It is called Moonstone Hero, and it's set in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Mount Kilimanjaro, Mm -hmm. but what's really interesting about this novel is it's all about life and death decisions, Mm -hmm. how to become a hero. Do you want to be a hero? Do you want to take that extra step? And um, if you're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, every step counts. Uh It really does. (laughs) So it's out now through Mm -hmm. Volcano uh, Cannon Press, and you can go to his website, davidpsklar.com, and that's uh, David, then the initial P, and then S-K-L-A-R. So davidpsklar.com. So welcome to the show, David. How are you? I'm great. See you. Good. Good. It's good to see you too. I know Nancy's been enjoying your book. So Nancy, mm-hmm. the doctor can write. Yes, the doctor can write. And it's more than like a medical biopsy report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and can you read no. his handwriting? That's the important yes. thing. No, you, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's typed so you can read it. Um, but, you know, having lived in Kenya and seen Kilimanjaro for years from different parts of Kenya, it's, you know, when we lived in Kenya, the border between Tanzania and Kenya were cl- was closed. So you could never really go visit Kilimanjaro, which was really on my bucket list of things to do, which I could see it, but I couldn't get there. But it's one of the most in, when it's sunny, it is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see because the snow and ice on the top is like little rainbows and it's just a beautiful sight. And that's something that sticks with me. So when I see the word Kilimanjaro, I'm always going, oh man, I got to see it. I'm so lucky, but I wanted to climb it, but not all the way to the top. <laughs> You well, you get, to cli- I mean? you get to climb it in, in Moonstone Hero, right? That's yeah. The book starts off with, yeah. with a group of people yes. doing the trek. Yeah, it's not a well, and you, and you know, people come from all over the world to climb mm-hmm. Jaro because it's mm-hmm. the highest mountain in Africa, and mm-hmm. a lot of them it it has some special symbolism if they're able to get to the top. Now, mm-hmm. the top of Mount Kilimanjaro is about nineteen thousand feet, so it's really quite it's high. high start uh, at a much lower uh, elevation around a thousand or two thousand feet so you know you're really climbing an enormous amount of uh, height to uh, you know to get to the top as compared to you know some mountains uh, the mountain may actually be very high but you're not actually climbing that high to get to the top in this case you really are um, doing a lot of climbing so you're going through many 
uh, different uh, climactic zones. You start off sort of in the jungle with a lot of, uh, you know, green and monkeys and things like that. And then you get into a higher elevation where it's more grassland and there's um, more open um, kinds of scenery. And then as you get closer and closer to the top, it becomes more like, uh, you know, a volcano that you would think of where there's nothing growing and there's volcanic ash and snow and, and it's cold. And so you go through all of these various climates. And in the book, the people who are uh, climbing are um, from all over the world and they're doing it for different reasons. Uh, and so they come together to, uh, to try and undertake this, uh, you know, this adventure essentially. Uh, so um, as, as a book, uh, what I tried to do was sort of tell the story of these people who don't really know each other when they begin. They come from all over the world. And as they're climbing this, this mountain, uh, they get to meet each other and uh, develop relationships. And then as they get closer and closer to the top, mm. uh, start really feeling the effects of the altitude of the high, you know, being up at 15,000, 14,000 mm. feet, you just can't really breathe very well. And one mm. of them, fortunately, develops uh, uh, a very, very severe reaction uh, to the altitude, uh, which is called periodema, mm -hmm. where your lungs fill up with fluid, mm -hmm. you start to cough up blood and you can't breathe. And unfortunately, uh, people die from this. If they're not brought down to a lower altitude, uh, they, they can actually die. And mm -hmm. so um, sort of, takes place around this theme of, you know, what are we going to do? We, the group have been climbing now that one of the people in our party is, is becoming ill and is becoming worse and worse right before our eyes. Mm -hmm. And our goal of reaching the peak is, is within reach. We're only just a few hours away from getting to the top and, and most of them have really that, that, that's been the goal that they've worked toward. So what do we do now as this person uh, who we've kind of gotten to know a little bit over the last three days is getting sicker and sicker, what do we do now? Do we try to wait until the morning when it gets light and maybe we can see if he gets better? Do we try and carry him down in the middle of the night knowing that it's going to be very dangerous. We won't really see where we're going. It'll be cold and snowy. Um, or do we just do something different? And so that becomes the crux of the, mm. the, of the book, in a sense, of what does this group of people do? And, um, and, it, and it was something that I started thinking about uh, right before COVID hit. Mm. Uh, so I was, being an emergency physician, I had often wondered about how we put ourselves in positions where we sometimes put our lives at risk to help others. Uh, but as a doctor, you know, that's sort of my job. I mean, I, I took that on as an emergency physician, but I wondered about people who, who don't really do that as their job. And yet mm -hmm. you see this happening all the time where people will, uh, they'll, uh, save a child who's in the middle of the street, putting themselves at risk, or 
there'll be a terrorist who's got a knife or a gun and, and they'll go out and uh, attack the person and save everybody and sometimes get killed or injured themselves. So I often wondered about, well, what, you know, what would happen if people really were in that situation? How, how do people make that decision? Is it mm. that special that they're heroes, born heroes, or, or are they created? Or, you know, what is it? So that, mm. that was sort of what motivated me to start thinking about the book. And then COVID hit. And, and that reality mm. happened. Where right. We had to decide, are we going to walk in the hospital without any protective equipment? and put our lives at risk for these people who we don't know, who have a disease that we don't understand and mm. actually die ourselves. So that was sort of the thinking as I was putting this uh, story together. That's it's amazing because when you think about those, we've been in a lot of um, life or death situations ourselves just in wildfires hurricane like in yes. the hurricane not when we were just the other day but like you know we've been in a lot of those and then also living in Africa you do end up in a lot of real life or death situations mm -hmm. and I think it just becomes a second nature and maybe that's with doctors you know with with what you do you don't instinct. even think anymore it's like part of your instinct, instinct to just go and help and do because it's I don't I don't I and coming to this country in other than medical people and, and people who serve and military people kind of, I remember we, we did this on a show about heroes of becoming a hero. And I remember tell, telling the story, there was a, a girl in a van being abused mm -hmm. by a man and I could hear it. And I was walking with two guy friends and I just went to go and do something and they pulled me back. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, why aren't you doing anything? And well, I think that's, yeah, see, that's such a, a great that's question. That, that thing is like why you know I, and I don't know if it's a it's a thing cultural from, cultural thing for or just the way I you I don't know you kind of live in the survival mode being in some of the areas and places and things but so I didn't understand why they I mean they did they were worried because I'm female and they're guys but they didn't do anything and that that is always just and then I couldn't really mm -hmm hang out with them very well <laughs> because I was like you didn't do anything well, I think I think you're I think you're absolutely right I, mean, I think some of it is cultural that there are some mm -hmm. cultures where people do sort of uh depend on each other and they expect that when there's a crisis that people will come together and mm -hmm. help and even if that means putting themselves at risk and then there's other cultures where that doesn't happen so much and then I do think there's probably an individual factor in there that some of us are just more inclined uh, to help others. Uh, and there's probably also something to say about who that person is. So if it's a child, I think we probably are more inclined to help a, a very vulnerable child than we might if it was like an adult who, um, you know, we think, well, th that person maybe can take care of themselves or maybe mm -hmm. I need to get uh, involved because it might be too risky. Uh, but but I do think you know a lot of us uh, imagine that that heroes are different from the rest of us, but I don't really think that's true because what mm -hmm. I saw uh, during COVID was the nurses and the doctors and the respiratory therapists they were just normal people um, who had a lot of the same 
uh, faults that all of us have. And they, I don't think they hesitated to go in and put their lives at risk for strangers. Uh, and they kept doing it over and over again. Maybe that's why a lot of them burned out. But uh, mm -hmm. by large, you know, people just decided this was who they were and what they were going to do. And it was their role. And, and they did it. So in the book, uh, there's actually a scene in which uh, one of the uh, people, Barry is his name, who is very, very sick, uh, is, is at a point where I think it becomes clear to all of them that uh, he may die. And he mm -hmm. may die before the morning when, when they could at least see where they were going. And so they almost have this kind of group meeting and they have to decide what are we going to do? Uh, are we going to make a group decision or are we going to um, each decide for ourselves what, what to do? And eventually they uh, they come to the conclusion that don't don't do a spoiler. I'm, okay, I'm, just, I'm not going to. I won't. I'm coming. Don't won't. you do. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nancy's behaving and you're not allowed to misbehave. You're a doctor. <laughs> OK. All right. Well, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but I will tell you that the rest of the book is sort of about the consequences of those decisions that they make and mm -hmm. the um, are things that we might not anticipate. Um, you know, there's actually a um, sort of a romantic part of the book that occurs um, in which some of the people who are involved in having that conversation uh, later on uh, sort of have a relationship that develops and, and those decisions that are made uh, affect that um, relationship. You know, one of the questions that pops into my mind is you have a group of people, something happens, and their goal is to go to the top of this mountain. And something happens where one person, one person is now in the way, so to speak. Right. Do they well, why all? don't you just put it right there? <laughs> well, I, I think I just did. But, <laughs> well, do they all need to turn back to take one person down the mountain? Or could some of them still go on and reach the goal and only the others take them down the mountain? Oh, but now you have to, now we're going to have democracy. The <laughs> well, no, but see, the Lord of the thing. Flies going you know, on so right now. That's the first thing as I'm reading it. I was like, oh, are they all going to turn back? Or, you know, these three are going to go to the mountain. You or behave four. too. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> well, but, but I think I'm the spoiler the police. Of, yeah, no, you're <laughs> yeah. getting to the crux of exactly that. Yeah. That difficult decision because mm -hmm. uh, I think that a group that would come together probably would have. Uh, that is one of the alternatives. And, um, you know, what are the, then what is the risk of the people who do go compared to the ones who don't go? Mm -hmm. um, uh, is that fair? And uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, a lot of us, I think, when, when faced with difficult situations, might look around and say, gee, those two or three really strong guys, they ought to be the one to... to um, mm -hmm volunteer to, to do this difficult thing. And those of us who are a little bit older or smaller or, um, you know, less capable of doing something physical, uh, you know, should uh, take, a take a step back and, and let these uh, strong young guys do the 
or women, you know, do the uh, mm -hmm. thing. Well, you know, is that always the right thing to do? I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. in, in healthcare, uh, and this was one of the things I faced uh, with COVID, I'm a little bit older, and we know that uh, the uh, risk of dying from COVID was much greater for older people, mm -hmm. younger people. So you could say, well, I shouldn't uh, put myself at risk if there were younger, healthier people who could go into the emergency department. But my own feeling was, well, you know, that's not really fair either uh, because uh, they still could die. And so what if they're younger, they have more life ahead of them. And, and I kind of felt like I should be uh, part of the team and that mm -hmm. I uh, demonstrate the same kind of willingness to uh, put myself at risk as I'm asking them to do. And in, in this case, you know, they were residents mostly. So these were mm -hmm. who were trainees. They had finished medical school, but they hadn't finished their residency. And I kind of felt like I should be there with them. In fact, I wanted to be there with them. I felt like that was the right thing for me to do, even though I was older. And, and mm -hmm. then a lot of people who volunteered actually to take my shifts, knowing that I was a little older. And I finally just said, no, I'm going to do it. And um, mm. I did. Mm. It's, the, COVID was interesting with that. And I feel like it's similar to you know, some of the wildfires we went into. Who goes near the house to go get the stuff before it burns down kind of thing. Yeah. There was that mm. kind of thing. And then I wonder about like in the military in battle, it's like, that's part of that training is like who goes yes. on the front lines who 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 does this part and and mm -hmm. it has and, and when these situations happen it's not like you get to sit and deliberate for 10 years you need to make a decision and move forward and whatever mm -hmm. the decision is go for it you know it's kind of that that weird um thing but i think it's something you know, we've seen with hurricanes uh, people go out like in Houston, remember all these people going out with their private boats to go save people, get them off yes. the roofs. We've seen these heroics, uh, just of regular people mm -hmm. doing what they, what can I do? What, what do I have at my disposal that I can do now? You know, they to often help. say, you know, the poorest person is going to invite you in for dinner and well, share I, what they I have left too. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, you know, a lot of people um, in our country kind of look at these situations where people stay in their apartments and they hear a woman screaming and they think oh my god what's wrong with us but by and large i think actually americans are very heroic people and mm -hmm. i think large when when faced with these situations like the hurricanes or other situations they get out there and and they do help each other and uh, and i think we're going to have to do more of that i think unfortunately um, as we have more emergencies due to climate change I think we are all going to be faced with, you know, being able to make these decisions. And oftentimes we have to make them with less than adequate information. So right. some information, but we don't always know exactly how much risk there is or even what, what might happen when we, when we do make the decision to help out. And, and that's again, part of the, part of the danger we put ourselves in, but I've, I've observed people really, uh, doing uh, an amazing amount of uh, dangerous stuff for other people that they don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe partly, you know, where I work in hospitals and I work with EMS people and, and mm -hmm. other, but uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I'm 
often just so impressed. And, and they're not like necessarily different people from the normal people that are just on the street. In most cases, they're regular people. Mm -hmm. so they have their mm -hmm. flaws and they, you know, they might, you know, drink too much or smoke too much or whatever, but, but they. Um, just don't tell the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but in those circumstances, they, they can be quite courageous, quite, quite heroic. Mm, I yeah, I, go ahead, Nancy. Sorry. I was going to say, I was in a car accident that, um, I mean, I was standing still at a stoplight and this guy turned left, but he didn't go into the right lane. He just plowed right into the front of the car. And um, I, I was hurt, but people ran that one person I knew, a musical student of mine, I knew him. But all the other people who, who ran to help were complete strangers. And it was amazing to me how many people ran to actually help. You know, and when the ambulance came and they're putting me on the stretcher and all that, they put the guy who hit me in the same ambulance as I'm going into. And I remember people objecting to it. Oh. objecting to the two was in the same ambulance I really didn't care <laughs> whatever you know I, I remember floating to the top of the ambulance and going oh so that's the dude who hit me and then coming back <laughs> down that's in my how, mind how did you how did you feel I mean did you feel any antagonism to the person no I think he passed out in fact it turned yeah. out later he had just started taking blood pressure medicine and he passed out. Oh. I saw him pass out. My mind was, oh, he's drunk. And I can't go anywhere. I couldn't yeah. move. You know, and sometimes we assume that, which often is not the case. Yeah. But our like more isolated communities, like rural communities, there may only be one ambulance for, for the yeah. whole community. And so if they don't put both people in the one ambulance, then uh, that could really cause a delay. Oh my yeah. God, we've lived in places where good luck getting an ambulance. You need to be but able I mean, to transport but it was, somebody. I, it well, wasn't you know, a, so, I was just, yeah. you know, it just was a weird thought that came, you know, because I'm not all there because I'm going up and coming back and <laughs> like out there, you know. But it was, it's just a weird thing. I remember. But you know thinking, what? Somebody actually they're called They're putting you us too. in this same ambulance. And I don't even know why I thought that. Yeah, but they you also because I mean? oh, it's, it's well, I think it's you know because men have you know the the split of bathrooms and all of that, but and yeah. we had also come from a country where at that point, you know, it had only changed mm. that women could go into certain places, you know. So you know, South Africa, there was apartheid, mm. but there was also that for women, like men only bars and women aren't allowed this and this restaurant or or that. So that happened no matter what mm. color you were. We, we, so you kind of go through that but yeah that was interesting because people helped on the scene yeah and then a lady called me to tell me your mom's in a car accident and I said that's not a joke and I hung up on her because I was in shock I was like what wow. and we'd really just gotten to this country like we you know and it, it was like what and so somebody followed through for her without mm -hmm. the scene you know what I mean and I think it's things yeah. like that that are pretty amazing yeah, because they could really go oh well helped. i did my thing where everybody saw me this was somebody doing something without knowing her 
and following through. And the woman called mm -hmm. me back again and said, no, you're in shock, this and this. And wow. so I think that's pretty amazing. That is, and, and yet I do think that in some ways it, it is part of our human nature to try to care about each other. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, assuming we can just um, get over against some of our biases that, oh boy. that we have, yeah. you know, and this is one thing. So I was recently in Ireland and, you know, that country has gone through some difficult Ooh, times between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And they came together uh, and it was a wonderful country for me to visit. I love the people in both Northern Ireland and Ireland. But um, I think they came to this conclusion that they were all Irish and, and they really cared about each other. And they were able to kind of solve some of these very, very, uh, you know, difficult uh, experiences that they had had of years of fighting. Mm. I, and I do think that, that it is part of our nature that we want to be in a place where we can count on each other. I, I hope yeah. we can figure that out for our own country because I do see us kind of dividing ourselves and, and, and in ways that it's just not good for us as a country. So I hope we, we, we can't afford things. to because like you're saying well, about climate change, mm. we're going to have a situation. I keep talking about this on shows about we have refugees in, in, in situations that are political unrest. But with climate change, there's already a refugee situation and globally. Yes. And, and it's happening not even just with just climate change, but like a hurricane can decimate an island like it wasn't like now it's getting worse and worse mm -hmm. and people are having to move. And so we're we as a society, and I don't think just this country have to realize, you know, we actually need to make some changes and we should work together to do it because eventually if we don't, we're all going to be refugees, right? And if right. we're not helping each other, then mm -hmm. it's going to be survival of the fittest and I'm the only person. And then what's the point? If you, you know what I mean? Exactly. You're going yeah, to be the last person. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, I we mean, it's really that, lonely. That yeah, we're in it together and that mm -hmm. we need to care for each other because that's the only way we're going to get through. That's mm -hmm. actually our strength. And, mm -hmm. and that is using our hearts and our brains yes. as opposed to being animalistic, if I can put it that way. Um, we need to rise above that animalistic instinct that we all still have and we need it for survival, but we also need to survive in the right way. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I think that you're absolutely right that, you know, oftentimes people will kind of just look at their own benefit whether you know it's having more mm -hmm. like during the pandemic where people cleared out the shelves of certain food or you know oh yeah or whatever really. it was yeah but yeah so i think in that case it it, it didn't show us off at, at our best but no. on the other hand i i think these situations that we're talking about people rise above that and really mm -hmm. That, that they do need to get in there and, and, and help. And that's really one of the uh, goals of, for me of writing this book was to really have us think about those questions and to really mm -hmm. look at each other and look at ourselves and say, you know, I could be a hero and I've just got to encourage the same kind of heroism in, in our culture and in, in the people around me because that's our, you know, that's what we need for the future. If we're going to make it through climate change or 
you know, if there's another some, pandemic, I, you know, they say that this isn't going to be the end of it, you know. No, no, I think we're going to have other uh, pandemics. Now, I will tell you, during my career, um, that was not the only um, uh, bad new disease that I had to deal with. So I've experienced mm -hmm. epidemic of HIV, of AIDS. Mm -hmm. I was a mm -hmm. resident, HIV uh, was just big. becoming available as a, as a new disease or was just becoming a mm -hmm. as a new disease. And we were all terrified. Nobody knew what was causing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the same kinds of biases and so on that have occurred uh, with, uh, with COVID and now with mm -hmm. um, pox, you know, a lot of those same biases came out without people recognizing mm -hmm. uh, a new disease is a disease that can affect any of us. And we have to uh, find out about it, educate ourselves, and mm -hmm. kinds of things to protect everybody. Anyway, so I yeah. had to mm. live through that. And um, and then there was another disease when I was in New Mexico called hantavirus. I didn't know what oh. But hantavirus cropped yeah. uh, up uh, mm -hmm. in the corners area of New Mexico and Arizona. Right. Uh, in Colorado and Utah. Mm. And... Um, all of a sudden, all these people were being brought to the emergency department who were uh, having trouble breathing and were dying pretty quickly. And I had no idea whether or not this was something that I could catch from these people. You know, was it contagious, what it was? As it mm -hmm. turned out, it was, it was um, from mice and it wasn't easily, or I don't think it was transmittable uh, to people um, from person to person, but we didn't know that. And so, again, it was one mm. of those Freaky. very scary moments, you know. Mm. You know, well, I think what's interesting about this and your, what you're doing in your book and, and just in conversation is when you talk about being heroes, it could be, hey, helping someone just on the street corner. It could be all there's so many different things we can do. Yes. But what's what's different with the medical community and those who serve in the military? Look at the food service people, the people working yes. in grocery stores. I mean, we've got to look at that teachers going through so much, including being, you know, the political drama of where to wear a mask or not wear a mask in a school. I mean, it, what we put our teachers through was ridiculous. You know, it's absolutely, they were caught in the crossfire. And, and I think that's one of the really serious errors we made in our country was making the whole thing political. You know, other right. everybody, yeah regardless of their political views, came together around uh, trying to keep the population safe. And in our country, it, it really became politicized. And, um, you That's know, really bad. We, I mean, we have had a million, more than a million people die in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the other countries, none of them have had a million people die. Yeah. And so I think we, unfortunately, uh, we reacted in a not good way. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. so now we've, we've dealt with these consequences of people dying who didn't need to die. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, well, so the hero know, part the, is it with everybody like in teachers, medical, military, all of the, these are your people who are um, like serving. It's part, it's a way of life, right? So yeah. if it's not, and, and yet 
people are doing it as a part of way of life, maybe not realizing it, or um, it's just a different profession or just a different lifestyle. But what I'm taking away from your book and, and conversation is it should be part of our lifestyle. And yes. that's the only way to actually get through it because you can't just go, oh, we have a hurricane in the, in the backyard. Now let's really quickly be a hero. That's not how it works. It has to be mm -hmm. part of our lifestyle and in our core being and kind of change things in our thinking. And I think it's that. what we what we should be teaching our children um, as mm -hmm. parents and as teachers and so on, that this is what we and our culture do for each other. And uh, you know, we have places, I think, whether it be you know, synagogues, churches, places where I think there's a lot of emphasis on helping each other. And, um, and there's, you know, it's something that we need to be building more into our culture because it will become increasingly important as, you know, as we have to grapple with problems that are bigger than just one person. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, that poor person is sick and that's their problem. But I think we're gonna be dealing with problems that are much bigger than just one person's illness and and we we have to figure out how you know we can develop that culture of heroism among everybody you know as being in the media business i really have to look at the media strongly about their share in what's happening and i really feel, especially having lived in Africa and watching the political scenes over there, that this- And Mexico. Right? Yeah. yeah, and Mexico. We lived in Mexico. We lived in, in Kenya. We lived in South Africa. We lived in England. So we have a more worldly kind of view on the media and, and who they are and what they do. And I feel that this country right now needs to take a really strong look of the politicization of the media. We need yeah. to, we really, really need to stop the political control of the media before it goes too far. We need to stop the, um, the entertainment part of it. No, it's not well, really, it's, no, you know it's, what I mean? It's, it's yeah, not. Absolutely no. I think that's why they kind of do what they do. And, you know, if you're in other countries, you just mentioned, the media doesn't function that way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having just been in Ireland and listening to BBC and listening to the mm -hmm. uh, television there, it, it's not like what we do in our country. Mm -hmm. there. Uh, you know, they, they do bring in people who are on one side or the other of a question, but when they're doing the news, they try as much as possible to have an impartial, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, the facts. And I think back when I was growing up and we had Walter Cronkite and, you know, yeah. he, um, you know he would just tell it like he saw it and it wasn't mm -hmm. one side or the other. Uh, no opinion. Um, and then if he had commentators who might want to take one side or the other, that was their job, you know, to do it, but also, not to make fun of the people who they disagree with. You know, I see that. Yeah, the nastiness. Yeah, where they're, mm -hmm. they're just making fun of people who they disagree with and exaggerating things mm -hmm. and trying to make it much worse than it was rather than trying to find the commonalities of what we all agree on, which, which they could also do, but maybe it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't 
their ratings. Well, were it used to be up. like, oh, your kid could be the president of the country, right? And now yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel like, oh, that's a really exceptional job. You know, male, female, I don't care who. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, and, and actually, it's not just our country. I mean, look at what's going on in England right now, too. And another can it just kind of feels like we've, Rings I don't know if it's westernization, course. civilization being over-civilized, that we've lost the actual I, part of civilization, was, mm-hmm. which was kindness and genteel. And, and, and right, well, just respecting other. and, you know, respecting yeah. people for, mm-hmm. you know, their roles that they have, even if you may not agree with them. At least respecting the the position, respecting the role, and mm-hmm. like we've we've been losing that, which I think is not good for mm-hmm. us for the future, uh, because you know anybody can make mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes make mistakes just because we don't have enough information, or you know we may understand things incorrectly. But let's not just say, oh, you made a mistake, so therefore we're gonna you know tear yeah. apart. It's like Dan Um, Rather. Dan Rather was a good news guy and he did have a mistake happen. Didn't mean it to, you know, and he, he wasn't, um, you know, he, he, he wasn't out there trying to do propaganda or anything. And you look at him, I mean, to this day, he, I, well, I follow him on Twitter and I don't know if I'm going to be there very much longer. (laughs) Record this, who knows what's going to happen there. But, but he, I watch what he's always going like, can we have some some common sense and and you know and i think we've lost it a little bit but so i think we should send your book to like all political entities (laughs) all governments all municipality because it's not just the big we we think about politics we always think about the big national and and you know it really is local as well and i think that that's something Mm -hmm. too the more we can connect in our immediate community that it will be stronger and look at things from those common grounds because we're sharing schools we're sharing parks we're sharing the same roads you know so that's where we've got yeah, we to kind of get back I mean, to really that depend on the other people on the road not to you know go across the line or whatever so yeah uh, nancy doesn't want to go up in the ambulance again yeah well you know <laughs> no. and, and in the book you know one of the things in the book is uh there is you know uh some mistakes that people make and mm okay i mean it's look we're all going to make mistakes so one of the points is that we can be heroes without having to be perfect you know that mm-hmm. one of the heroes like superman you know superman doesn't make mistakes you know he's he's always um you know kind of does the right thing but as humans we are going to make mistakes but that, sure. mean that we can't do really courageous heroic things and uh, so i guess that's another take home is you know, let's not um, tear down the people who are doing courageous things just because they're not perfect, you know. Or if you don't understand. And well, I think and a lot the, is reactionary, too. And the, the name calling, you know, like the name calling in politics is fairly new. Yeah. And that, I and think. And it's all sides. It's not just one or the other. It's, but well, I mean, and, it's, and it's and pretty I, new. And I, and I think it's, I mean, I think it's horrible. I mean, I. It is, it's terrible. I think, unfortunately, when, you know, Donald Trump made, made uh, fun of uh, um, Ted Cruz's wife, I thought that was way out of line, you know? You, you just don't do those things, even if you disagree mm-hmm. as people, it's just not right. And, um, and the, you know, a lot of things like that happen and, and it shouldn't it shouldn't happen and people making fun of president biden stutter no, no exactly 
my That's grandmother it. taught me when somebody is making fun or calling somebody else a name, you got to look at the name caller and realize how low she used to call it being low on the totem pole. That sounds terrible. Yeah. But, but, no, but, I, but I think the idea is, yeah, you don't need to uh, yeah. tear down someone and particularly make fun of a disability or uh, any mm -hmm. kind of feature that the person has. If you want to disagree with their ideas, fine. That's that's, that's fine. But but that's very different from you know trying to laugh at people and make fun of people. And mm -hmm. so I I just again I just see this on our media as you since you brought up media and I just mm -hmm. it's so unhealthy and it and it doesn't exist like this in other parts of the world and it doesn't need to exist no. in our country. And no, it does it no doesn't. good. It does well, no good at all. I do no. want to give a shout out to a documentary, which I think you would really enjoy. Uh, we just did an interview with a high school principal in North Belfast and um, the documentary maker, uh, oh, Kevin McGilvery, yeah. I think is his mm. name. I can't pronounce his last name. I can do yours, but I can't do Anyway, it's Young Plato is a documentary. That's and awesome, it's, he runs the school, young kids. and um, it's not a high school, you know, it's a middle, middle school and middle um, school. Uh -huh. they mm -hmm. go in and there's people who have lived through the bombings and their family has. So you have this generational trauma that goes through and they go in and they show the, the news clippings mm -hmm. and the kids are encouraged to talk about it. Yes, my grandmother went through this. My mother, when she was a little girl, went through this. Mm -hmm. So they talk about this and get past that mm -hmm. fear and explain like, how the buses used to be, you know, blow up and they used to be a protection. Now they're walls. And they talk about the Catholic versus the Protestant. They have these discussions, but it's called Young Plato. It's he really good. was a ruffian, the, the principal. And, and then he really got into philosophy. And so he's teaching little kids philosophy. And so through that, he's also going into the community, to the parents, talking about philosophy, about no one is right and no one is wrong. It is about this, this discussion together. He teaches mm -hmm. the kids, if one wants to hit one, hit you, you know, how to handle that and how yeah. to not just retaliate, how to breathe, meditate, how to think about the consequences of anger. And they mm -hmm. go to a board, they have the philosophy board where they do mind mapping and discuss mm -hmm. that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's and then really going good. to the parents and he's teaching the parents and the kids to have, how to have discussions. And so oh, and it's well, absolutely amazing. No, it so sounds, that it goes sounds with what great. you're doing. Yeah, I just yeah. thought you'd appreciate that. because I, I do. And in fact, you know, again, since I was in Ireland uh, doing this Fulbright program, I feel like we mm -hmm. can learn so much from the uh, experience of Ireland and Northern Ireland. There, there's really so much that, that they can teach us how to live together and how to solve um, problems together without having to do it violently. Exactly, but, that was a, that's a, he's a, he's a hero. Who's a hero for you? And in closing there, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> pick, I got, I'm going to pick that high school or the uh, middle school teacher, Kevin, you know, Mr. Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that the heroes for me are really the residents that I work with uh, mm -hmm. in medicine at Valley Wise and at UNM because they're young people and they're, they're really our hope and our future. And I, I watch them every day just going in and doing 
these very courageous things. Uh, mm. They're my heroes, I guess. Awesome. Nancy, who's your hero, Nancy? Oh, gosh, I have so many of them. See, that's great. I, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go way back and talk about critical thinking. I'm going to go back even to Socrates and Plato. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's time to go back and revisit those, um, their, their foresight. Like, I don't um, know. And asking, I mean, they asked really good questions. Which they did. Like, did you know? they know we were going to end up this way? Yeah. Because it mean, feels like they, they don't did. always have answers, but they, they do know how to ask questions. And mm -hmm. the things we do in medical education is sort of ask people the questions just so that they can think through a problem, just like what you're talking about. Mm. And, and, yeah. I think that, and I think that is such an important thing because mm. a lot of times, people come up with answers without really um, taking a, a time to really think it through. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, I think maybe we'll come up with better solutions. Certainly in the book in Moonstone Hera, the people did sit around together and try to come up with a solution for a very difficult problem. You know, we could disagree with how they did it. And the consequences, again, were mm -hmm. uh, somewhat um, unpredictable. But I, I think at least they did try to sit down and and solve it together. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. I think mm -hmm. maybe in a life that is so fast paced that we forget to have that 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 breathing moment, those three seconds before you react. So we become very reactionary. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And I think mm -hmm. COVID really did teach us how fast we were going. When people started to calm down, they realized, why have I been doing this to myself for 20 something years, you know, working myself to death, literally, yeah. how much fun was it? Do I really need to make that much money to be happy? You know, do I need 10 cars? You know, I'm exaggerating right. there, but I'm not, I, some for some not, but it's, um, I think it taught us that and we're still navigating out. So I think your, your book is so timely mm. in that fashion that we're in this period of change and, and it's up to us to navigate it towards being a positive change. And, and you cannot do anything. No success lies in solidarity. It yes. does not. I don't care if you're a chess player, someone helped you learn chess and how to, mm -hmm. how to do those moves. And if you failed, that's how you learned. And you were only doing it by going against your opponent. So there's no, nothing works on its own. Nothing. Period. Mm -hmm everything's so, connected yeah so i i love this I, I can't wait to read it and again i think mm -hmm. we should send it to all politicians <laughs> no i think everyone no i'm just i'm kidding i i just want to give them a hard time but no thank you and i think you know we need more positive you know reads like this where people can you know grasp into it and thank you also for everything you're doing in the medical world and mm. uh, emergency rooms man when we all get in there you know we're all scared it's no, that's worse than so when a policeman pulls you over for speeding <laughs> in a cornfield <laughs> uh, it is it, it is you know it is one of those needed resources but it yeah it can be tough and i yeah i have great um things to say about the people who are able to do that day in and day out. It's a hard place to be. And I, I thank them all for being there. 
Thank you, everyone. Again, uh, the book is out now, so go get it. Uh, go to David P. Sklar. So that's David and then the letter P, S-K-L-A-R. So davidpsklar.com. Uh, of course, the book is A Moonstone Hero by David Sklar, and it's out now through Volcano Cannon Press. And so go get it, enjoy it, and keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me.